Well, the news came before tip that Ivica Zubak, hey, I think I finally said his name right, would not be able to go for the Clippers. It seemed to be a notification that would seal the fate for Los Angeles, that Phoenix would be able to score at will on the interior. But on a Monday night in downtown Phoenix, with a ticket to the NBA Finals on the line, that narrative would not be the case. The Clippers would dominate the paint, outscoring Phoenix 58-32. to They would negate all of our runs and behind the likes of Marcus Morris and DeMarcus Cousins, plus a playoff career high from Paul George. They would force the series to change locations once again. Beat L.A.? Not yet, Matthew. Not yet. Yeah. I'm about to throw up right now. Yeah. <laughs> Did Sorry. you get something wrong, or was it just the no, game no, totality? No, it, just, it was, uh, you know, there's a moment there when Chris Paul hit that to go up by one, and I was like, wow, this is it. And it wasn't, so it's a weird feeling right now, man. Weird feeling, Arsal? Are, are you feeling weird? <laughs> I feel like crap. Like, I, I, I just... Again, like if you don't have anything positive to say, sometimes it's just better to just close your mouth. So we'll just get to the points and then uh, we'll, we'll get through this because I'm just uh, I think there was way too many things that, that I, I could point out tonight that just at least just leaves you salty. Ooh, salty. Yeah, I, I, I concur with that. Espo, what are you? How, how are you feeling? <laughs> he's drinking. He's, he's already drinking. He's oh, God. <laughs> I, I have a familiar feeling and that's not necessarily a good thing. In Phoenix, so you know, I, I I felt a little uncomfortable with how excited some media members were getting and and other people were getting this afternoon. And it's that hello darkness, my old friend. It's it's feeling uh, a little too normal right now here in Phoenix. Yeah. Is what I'm gonna say. Yeah, this is a feeling that you know. T- <laughs> <laughs> to many of you who are new to the fan base, who have decided to join along for the ride, welcome to the world of tempered expectations. When everything feels like it should be going your way, when everything says on paper that you should win, fate always has another way of showing us the dark side of the moon as Suns fans. you know. So that's what we dealt with tonight. Uh, Ryan Cross, shout out to you in the chat. He said, we need a smoke break fast. Let's get this out of our system. Thanks for donating via the super chat. And thank you to everyone who's joining us along uh, live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Hit that thumbs up button. Give us a thumbs up. No thumbs down just because we lost. That We didn't do it. We, you know, we're just the guys who have to go live right afterwards when we're feeling all these different kinds of emotions. Uh, but if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network, please subscribe, rate, and review there as well. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it here on the pod. Is anybody going to be drinking with me tonight? There's no chugging with the fellas, unfortunately. Uh, just just water, man. Yeah. Tonight. Right, well, well, Suns fans, pop them if you got them. Let's take a quick look at what happened tonight as the Suns lost game five to the Los Angeles Clippers. Let's do it. So, yeah, the news came out probably about an hour before tip-off that there'd be no Ivatsa Zubats. You'd have an opportunity to dominate the paint, especially after the national narrative was just on the jock of DeAndre Ayton after his last 22-rebound performance, a game in which I said on the pod, he's going to get all those rebounds because nobody could hit a shot. It's kind of like the, the Dem Booker game, too. After he scored 40 in, in game one and the media was 
praising him and calling him Kobe Bryant, he had a couple bad games. I wouldn't say DeAndre Ayton had a bad game, but I would say that the execution for the Suns was very poor, knowing that the Clippers were coming out and playing with that five-out strategy, and it and it worked for them. It worked for them, my friends. Look, this is somewhat on Monty. Not somewhat. I think this is on a, a lot on Monty this evening. Adjustments weren't made. I don't really understand the obsession with Abdel Nader. I think if you go to Tory Craig earlier, uh, you may have a better opportunity to try to at least frustrate uh, Paul George when he's going as well as he was. I just, I, I really don't understand a lot of the approach in this game. I, I'm at a loss when it comes to that. There, there were a lot of changes. I. I would have made. I, I still don't understand Dario in certain situations there, as well. Uh, it was it was a rough game. They got outplayed, they got out hustled, and they got out coached. I think, and that's why they're going back to LA uh, up three two. I think sometimes you get a little too fancy for your own self, and uh, I think that's kind of where Monty is falling into. Like I understand uh, you like Abdul Nader, sure, I get it, but Tory Craig has given you a lift off the bench as well as Campaign has. And for whatever reason, um, you kind of ditched the you, you kind of ditched him in the last game because of God knows why. Uh, tonight he gave you a little bit of a spark, like he usually does. And I just I, I'm frustrated on so many different levels, just like everybody else is. But I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh my God, you know the the Earth is is you know going to blow up and this is all over." Like <laughs> it, they still got two more games to win one. Like that, we all knew that that was you know this was. This could happen. I don't think anybody expected it to happen because we felt like they were going to come home and they hadn't been playing very good on the road. Two games back to back, especially with Chris Paul and Devin Booker not really shooting well. You thought maybe they're going to come back home and snap out of it tonight. And to a certain extent, they did. But, uh, man, it's uh, it's just frustrating. Yeah, it feels terrible. But Marcus Morris, usually when he starts a game, he, he can make a couple shots. You think like, okay, get someone on him, like Booker's on him, so there's a mismatch there, but you don't think those fadeaways are really going to take all game. I mean, he did in the first quarter. What did he go, six for six in the first quarter? Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, it's fine. And then DeMarcus Cousins come in, does his thing. It's like, eh, we'll get past this. And it just never really did. I mean, the 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 unit that came in in the first quarter, everyone but Paul George was doing good, really great against the Suns. And then Paul George came in the second half took over and couldn't miss it just seemed like that was what the story was well there was there was a lot of things going on as well like you know Devin Booker I think people are going to look if you look at the stats only you think Devin Booker had a really good game especially Mm -hmm. points wise but if you rewind and watch the game there were several times when Booker would get the rebound and and I'm not trying to say DA should get the ball every single time down the court but he did have Pat Beverly pinned right behind him so he could just if Booker would just lead the pass, it's an easy two. And he had that about six times tonight, and not once did he even try it. Um, that That's frustrating. And I and I was sitting there with Espo for the first half, and I was like, what is going on right here? And I don't understand why every single time – and I know DA is still a little bit raw when it comes to sealing off and getting positioning. And some sometimes when he does have a smaller player on him, um, he doesn't body him like you know you would like for him to. Uh, it's because they're trying to draw the foul on him as well, and so he's a little cautious of that. He's got a little, mm-hmm. little, little timid, intimidation there. But man, I just, I, I just felt like you know they, they were again. They came out and they weren't hitting. They weren't hitting right off the bat. Like get the ball down low for a second. 
you know, I just don't, I don't understand it. It's something that's, that's kind of reared its ugly head in this series specifically because the, the, the dudes aren't hitting that usually hit. And so they don't, it's like, they don't have another uh, plan of attack. Look, if, if defense is supposed to be one of the hallmarks of your team, right? You don't let Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, and DeMarcus Cousins combine for 60 points. That's problematic. Mm -hmm. They did not show up on the defensive end this evening, and that is a big reason why they went home with the loss. I mean, you're just not going to win if if you're letting those guys go off on you. Paul George had a career night, and, and tip the hat to him. If you let him have a career night and you shut down the other guys, it's not going to matter. But when you let fringe guys, uh, and, and Reggie Jackson's more than a fringe guy, all right? But if you let fringe guys like Marcus Morris and DeMarcus Cousins have that kind of success, you're going to have a tough time winning. I don't care if you're playing at home. I don't care if you're up 3-1. I don't care if Devin Booker scores 31. If you do that, that's not a winning recipe, and that's a big part of why they, they had the L tonight. I don't understand yeah. why Devin Booker was guarding Marcus Morris the entire first quarter well, in the first oh, place just, and letting him get into his rhythm. So let, let me get to that. You know, again, this is a, this is a game of adjustments. This is a series of adjustments. And that is the exact question I had, not only him, but, you know, the way that then you had DeMarcus Cousins come in and Sarge was right there. And you know that that's something we're going to continue to see as we move into the latter stages of this series is how are you going to let Marcus Morris, the ghost of our past, trying to haunt us? You know, it was a lot of ISO Morris, ISO cousin left on the block, and they scored 30 of the Clippers' first 59 points. 34 to 8 points in the paints for the Clippers in the first half ended with that total that I mentioned of, uh, what, 58 to 32. You have to make an adjustment. After he goes down, if you go down to Marcus Morris, you know what he's going to do. He did it all night. Back down, back down, turn left, lay up in the lane or, or jumper in the lane you have to do some switch. And I know what the Suns were afraid to do. They were afraid to collapse the double team because Terrence Mann is the guy who's standing in the opposite quarter, uh, corner, I'm sorry. And he, that's the shot that he stroked against Utah when he put up his career-high 39 points. So I get why they couldn't... They, they Essentially, they're, the, you know, I guess the, the mindset was, we'll give up two instead of giving up three. But you let him get to, into such a rhythm early in the game that, I mean, this game fell over before it began. We were down 10 points at, at the end of the first quarter, and it could have been more than that. So again, a game of adjustments, a series of adjustments. And when you have that, and, and yeah, Espo, you hit it. You can't let all of these fringe guys, the guys who, you know, it'd be like Jay Crowder going for, for you know, 29 points or 25 points or even 20 points. I mean, Jay Crowder tonight had a, you know another rough one. He ends with a total of four points. He had three points in the last game, nine in game three, two in game two, 13 in game one. I mean, we have to have our role players step up and play efficiently if we want to win these games. You know, you look at the point totals for the Clippers in this one, 41, a career high for uh, Paul George in the playoffs, 23 from Reggie Jackson, 22 from Marcus Morris, 15 from Cousins off the bench. You just can't let this happen and try to play catch up the whole time because we saw it. every time we play catch up and we know this. We watch basketball every time you have to fight and claw to play catch up in the regular season, let alone the Western Conference finals. It takes so much energy to do so that by the time you get there, the other team's ready to take that 9-0 run, the 8-0 run, the 7-0 run happened every fucking time tonight. 
Yeah, you know, and then the, the Clips also went zone. Um, you know, for a large portion of this game, they went zone, and they basically forced the Suns to beat them from the outside as well. And outside of Devin Booker and Cam Johnson, they sure as hell didn't do that. Two for 17 for everybody else outside of Cam Johnson and Devin Booker from three-point range. CP3, 0 for 6. Like, I mean, that's that's tough. That's mm-hmm. tough. They're forcing you to beat them from the outside when they don't even have a big inside. But if, <laughs> just, they, if they're forcing you to beat them outside and Devin Booker is four of six from three, why is he not shooting more of those? Like, I get it. He had, Clippers played good defense at times, but he should be shooting more of those. Cam Johnson should have more than 23 minutes in a night that he's shooting five of six and three from three, three of three from beyond the arc. Like he deserves more minutes in there. Uh, I just, there are, there are a lot of weird things that happened, uh, you know, minutes wise and, and offensively, I don't quite understand. Maybe it is simply because uh, the Clippers went to the zone and for some reason the Suns couldn't overcome that, but this looks like a completely different offense than we saw all year. It's, it's a lot of pounding the air out of the ball it's not quick decisions and crisp passes. Yeah. It's just a very weird change. And maybe that's simply the, the Clippers muck things up enough in general that that's what's going on here. But this is not this is not the team we even saw earlier in this series offensively. And they have to refine that and refine it fast because yeah. you ha- you have – you got to take game six because game seven, it's cliche, but anything can happen Mm -hmm. in a game seven. And you don't want to leave it up to that because the basketball gods, as kind as they've been to us this year, have not been very kind in deciding games in the past. So let's not leave it. You don't, and you don't want to see, you don't want to see Kawhi Leonard coming back either. I don't want to see that tweet where it's like, Oh, Kawhi's coming back for game six. Kawhi's might be back for game seven. I just don't want him back. Even though I did mention, you know, maybe Paul George and this Clippers team is better without him. I know that was weird, but I just think having him come back, it's going to suck to see that. And Cameron Johnson, he's a guy where I feel like I just trust him the most right now. For some reason, his energy, everything he does on the court, even the little things like tipping the ball away, crowding a guy when he has the ball, has to pick up the dribble. He's doing little things that really help this team actually stay in the game. And he did that a lot, this whole series almost. So he's been amazing. And I just, I wanted to ask too, Chris Paul, he seems like he, is he like a little dizzy or something? I don't don't know if it's from the coronavirus or what, but he just seems like he doesn't have, it's not the same mobility, of course. But like when he's dribbling down the court and he's walking to the half, walking to the um, to the locker room, he just seems like in his eyes, like something is up. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but I just want to throw that. I out. I mean, there. I would say CP3 doesn't have the juice right now, if that's what you mean. Like yeah. I, I do, I don't, I don't feel it when I'm watching him play these last couple of games. That's this is three games now in a row, and I, I just felt like CP just wasn't like as as quick and as decisive as he usually is out there and i and i don't know what to attribute that to i I really don't so i'm not even going to speculate whether it's you know uh covid hangover or something like that but Mm -hmm. i will say he he doesn't look like himself right now and he hasn't played like himself in the last three games at least not compared to the denver series but then again the denver series was you know he one of the best series of all time like is that a fair comparison i'm not sure if it is or not but i will say the the backcourt between cp3 and devin booker it needs to be better. It just needs to be better overall. And I think Monty's mm-hmm. decision-making, you know, you trust these guys 
all season long, and then you get to the Western Conference Finals, and now you don't want to trust campaign, even though he might have had a rough stretch in the first quarter, and you completely bail, and you just go back to Point Book, who throws, throws the ball away yeah, three times yeah. down in, in a row and forces shots and just doesn't even look at his teammates. Like, bro, wh what are you doing? Like, you're yeah. completely throwing your own team out of rhythm, Monty. You got to be better than this at this level. You got to trust your players. You got to believe in the system that you have built because that's what you preach every single day. Impose your will. Yeah. I mean, point book killed the momentum there. Mm -hmm. When the crowd got back into it, when the team had cut that lead in the fourth, point book killed the momentum. Turnovers, uh, you know, and I don't put that on him. That's on Monty. You should not put mm -hmm. him in the position to have to do that. If you're pulling campaign out at that point, you should be putting CP3 back in if that's what you're going to do. Don't don't go to point book in that situation where you could already tell that you know he was he was in that mode where if you fed him he could get it but he was going to press if if you had him handling the ball because he felt it felt like he he was at that point where he thought he had to do everything and Monty's just got to understand that he's got to understand his team and I feel like this is one of the first times this year where where I just. I don't fully understand what he was trying to trying to do, and I just don't think he pulled the right strings tonight. Yeah, coming into the series, you knew that the challenge would be for our guards because of the wing depth, because of the defensive capability and irritability of Patrick Beverly. You knew that that would be the challenge. Is the point of attack for the Phoenix Suns? What made them so successful against the Denver Nuggets was. They could run that high screen and roll all day long because the strength of the Nuggets was their front line. It wasn't their backcourt. And this is a series you knew that you were going to have to take advantage of that, and you're going to have to make some adjustments. I think tonight, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the fifth game of the series, and I think this is the fifth different starting lineup that Ty Lue jogged out there. He's trying different things. He's pulling different levers, and he's doing something that Greg Popovich always did excellent. And that's whenever the Suns would make a shot, I know he didn't have a choice, but he still had, but he pulled, but he he instilled a game plan and pulled the right levers and then took advantage of the mismatches where the Suns didn't do that. The Suns had mismatches tonight. They didn't take advantage of DeAndre Ayton being the number one. You know, I, I, Jay Crowder forced a pass to DA and guess what? He caught it and he went right up with it. No one else was uh, confident enough in that zone to throw DA the pass and allow the defense to collapse and let him, as a great passing big, try to hit somebody, try to get somebody else going. For sure, you know. I, not only that, but also like, for as much as we might want to say this is Monty, right? I would say fifty percent of this is on Monty. The other fifty percent is on the players, and those. Oh, and there's a there's a couple players that man, we need to put an APB out for my man Mikhail Bridges and for Jay Crowder because those dudes are MIA. I don't know what happened and what's been going on, but whoo, yo, like, bruh, like you got to show up in Game Five. You know, then I'm going to go back to Booker because some people in the chat are, are saying, oh, of course, we're not blaming Booker for anything. No, I, I just did a minute yeah. ago. In addition to that, like, I, I do feel like there was a certain there's a certain mindset that I think Booker is probably trying to harness when it comes to maybe Kobe or something like that. Like, I'm going to end this team and do it myself. And he doesn't need to do that. He has good players around him for a reason. Trust your other players and set them up for success because the, the Clippers were honing in on Devin and every shot that Devin was taking was basically contested. Mm -hmm. Like you got to just trust your teammates. Well, and, and, and again, the moment we went to point Booker 
was when Patrick Beverly went to the bench. That is the ideal time to have either campaign or Chris Paul run point and find Booker open for open shots because he's not being pestered the whole time. But instead, you're putting the ball in his hands, making him the point of emphasis for the offense and drawing the defense to him. And to your point, Saul, he's not looking for his teammates. He's looking to go into Kobe mode. Like, I'm going for 45 tonight, and I'm going to end this series, and everybody's going to talk about how great I am. And, you know, it's Booker ball, Matthew, yeah. right? I mean, what, what something we've talked about for years, some of those early stages of his development when he was the only primary offensive threat on this team is he would go into Booker ball moments where he's like, I'm just going to keep shooting. And game five of the Western Conference Finals, when you're finally back in the game within four points, and, you you know, it's go down, put, turnover, now, now you're down six. Go down, turnover. Now, they hit a three. Okay, now you're down nine. Go down, miss basket. Okay, now you're down 11. I mean, like that. Like that. It was it, it, every time we got close, it happened. So, yeah, Booker, everybody's to blame. And I think that, yes, I, my biggest thing I you know to blame is, is Monty Williams and his lack of adjustments, in-game adjustments. Something that Monty's been very good at this season is, you know, he says the right thing, but the, he needs to pull those right levers to ensure that he doesn't have Marcus Morris. If you have Marcus Morris backing down Devin Booker, you know what, maybe throw another bigger guy in there and, and no no more Sarge, no more Nader. Like, it's Torrey Craig or Bust, and I'm with Espo on that. It's got to be Torrey Craig or Bust. You know, Matthew, do you want Nader to to keep, keep getting minutes? And would you go as far <laughs> to say maybe it's time to give Cam Johnson a start over Jay Crowder? Would you do that going into game six, guys? No, I want to switch it up with Cam. I like Cam Johnson coming off the bench. Um, I just the the way the Suns got here is because of team ball. You know, you can match them up against all these guys that are in the game or all the rest of the teams that are left in the playoffs, and you can just tell like we're the true team. And sometimes when the Suns would get back into the game, they relied too much on individuals, and I think that's what killed them. There was the momentum that was slowed down a lot by Chris Paul. Booker would make mistakes, so I think things like that just threw him out of it. And it was just it was difficult for them to even, you know, take the lead only once. So so Dave King is now joining us uh, from the cafeteria inside uh, <laughs> Phoenix Suns Arena. Hey, the uh, F and Lounge. Come on, let's get this thing right. <laughs> what uh what are your thoughts on this evening, my friend? Thank you for joining us. Sure. Uh, my my thoughts on this evening, I'm sure you guys have said everything I'm thinking about saying because I just now is listening to the uh, post game interviews. Um, Monty and and Devin Booker both say that they just didn't come in with the right energy. They didn't come in with the right fire. They admit that. They know that. They got to start stronger. What's up, Sol? That just makes me so mad. Like it's game five of the Western Conference with a chance to go to the finals. To go to the finals. What do you mean you're not ready? Like I just don't understand that. Well, I'm not. I'm not mad at you. Obviously, Dave. I'm not. No, I know. It's what you have (laughs) to say after after that happens. So I think what happened is the Suns came in thinking. They, had, they already were going to – the Clippers were going to hand them the win, especially when if it's a Zubat uh, was ruled out for the game, and he was such a difference maker the last few games. I really think that's what happens is you get the letdown. I was I was doing a little um, interview earlier before the game, and somebody asked me, how do you think tonight's going to go? And I thought it was going to be a blowout for the Suns, and I usually don't think that. I think they thought it was going to be a blowout for the Suns. I think, I think the Suns came in there expecting the Clippers to say, you know, this was a great series. There you go. Enjoy your run. Have a good week off. And the Clippers decided they just didn't want to do that. And uh, <laughs> they, 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 Ty Lue made some great adjustments. Doubling on, you know, putting a lot more people in the paint to fight Aiden off of the board so they can get the boards, just like the Suns do when they go small, just like the Suns doing with Aiden out there. They usually have two or three guys in there for tipping the ball to each other, and and the Suns did not react tonight. 
Suns were not ready. They expected the Clippers to hand them the game. And uh, when you when you start out in that mode, you stay in that mode. It's hard to get out of it. That's why nobody goes 82-0 in a season or 72-0 this season. There's, that's why these things happen sometimes. Now, how will they respond on Thursday? Man, if the Suns lose on Thursday, then you got that one. You know, uh, this is crazy. And the Clippers have done this. They've done this kind of thing. So the Suns have to get back on their horse and they have to ride it hard. Now, the Suns did win games they weren't supposed to win earlier in this series without Chris Paul. They came out and won both games. In L.A., they won that game when they weren't supposed to win that game on Saturday. So tonight they were probably thought they just were supposed to get this game, and it wasn't handed to them. And now they're going to find I guess we're going to take it. So we'll see how they respond. They've always responded this season after a loss, always. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with this team uh, and see what adjustments that Monty makes. You know, I was making the comment a little bit earlier. The way the way I'm going to mute Dave real quick because it's getting a little crazy behind him. Uh, But what what was really, you know, Ty Lue was doing Greg Popovich, man. Every time the Suns were putting a run on this team, he would call a very strategic and well-timed timeout. And it brought me back to the Spurs days. You know, I'm having that PTSD, that post-traumatic Spurs disorder where I, I'm frustrated with the fact that he called timeout when we had that run going. And kudos to Ty Lue. You know, he is uh, a, a quality coach who's making those adjustments. And, that you know, this is part of that learning curve for the Suns, you know, head coaching staff and for their team to recognize, like, yeah, nothing, nothing is earned. Or I'm sorry, nothing is given. Everything is earned when it comes to the playoffs, especially game five of the Western Conference Finals. You know, I just... I'm frustrated like a lot of other uh, Suns fans. You know, I'm just going to drop this one just real quick. Watch 2021. And I'm only dropping it not because I want to sit here and talk for an hour about Aiden. It's because it's, it's almost like a tradition. Like, I would feel wrong not to. But I will say that when you see Pat Bev and Terrence Mann posting up on, you know, getting under Aiden, you got to find ways to get in the ball, man. You got to find ways. And he wasn't as aggressive going for the rebounds. And it feels like whenever he has those smaller players on him, he doesn't want to jump up and get undercut. That's kind of the tentativeness that I saw from him throughout this game. And again, you couple that with the fact that they, the Clippers were committed to that team rebounding volleyball aspect that we've had. We saw the Suns do the same thing against the Los Angeles Lakers when they were oversized and undermatched they went to volleyball mode and just disrupted the the interior of the paint the question is what adjustments will the suns make going into game six because we know looking at this team thus far this series they have not looked great shooting the ball and that's one of the things that we've done very very well this entire season but when you look at this series in its totality you know not not even including tonight and tonight was a better shooting night Overall, the Sun shot 45%. I guess that's okay. 34% from three. But if you look at how they've performed thus far this series, as a team, you know, they're shooting 45% and 30% from three. We are not shooting the ball at all well. I mean, so many of those first possessions of the game that ultimately dug us a hole that we could, you know, barely get out of was we, we just the ball's not going in. It's almost like there's a, you know, aluminum foil on the cylinder or something. Like we just aren't hitting the shots open or not. Here's what is going on. Here's something that might surprise you. Um, uh, I forgot what Clippers B writer it was, but um, he did tweet out uh, about midway through the fourth quarter that the Clippers are actually a plus 35 with Deandre Ayton on the floor, which is kind of surprising depending, you know, 
after you see the impact that he has had on the on the floor, that was largely because of Zubac, you know, for a large portion of that. But tonight, you can't say that. And he was a minus 22 on the floor. But a large portion of that was because he wasn't really involved on the offensive side. Still had a double-double somehow. I don't know. Yeah, 10 and, 10, 10 and 11. 10 and 11. I mean, as, as low a double-double as you could possibly get. But he got a <laughs> double-double. Um, I just, again – you you gotta you gotta get the guy in, in into the game, okay? Devin Booker and Chris Paul get to touch the ball just about every single time down the court. They get into a rhythm, they get into a flow. You as as a big man, and I think any big man would tell you, like, you gotta reward me for some of the stuff that I'm doing down at the other end, too. You know what I mean? And if you don't, then I start to lose focus. I'm not as into the game as I as I as I could be. And you gotta reward the guy and and even calling a play for him. I don't care if he go if he turns around and shoots an air ball. That's just signifying, hey, be ready. We're keeping you in the game, and you got to be ready to go. Um, and it's just that little thing that I, I don't know. I, I, this whole thing, I'm just mumbling, but I'm frustrated with with their I, lack of getting da the ball. Just uh, I'm not even asking for every single time down the court, or even 20 percent of the time down the court. Just throw my man a bone every now and then. Every now and then, man, allow him to pass out of it. See what happens, right, Espo? Look, yes, they, and, and, and channel. Yes, I am ready to blow up, but I'm trying to hold it <laughs> in. <laughs> Keep sticking down further and further. Look, they did yeah. not play their game. They they just yeah. did not. They came in and yeah, they played like a team that thought they were gonna come in and get an easy win. And that's not how this team has approached most, if any, games this season. They've come in and they've outworked teams. They did not do that this evening. That they're at their best in this series when they when they're moving uh, fast down the court, not giving the Clippers a chance to set that defense, not getting not giving them a chance to body up on guys. They didn't do that tonight, except for for st- some stretches where they made those runs. In particular, in that fourth quarter, they started moving again. They found guys. They were cutting to the hoop. You know, they were making those kind of moves. They need to do that, and they need to get Da the ball. In, in game six, if they ever needed a wake-up call, it was today. You could see it from, from the word go. And if this isn't enough of a wake-up call, then going home after game seven is going to be because they have to come out and play their game. If we see this kind of effort in game six, uh, it's, just, it's unacceptable on every level. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can find it happened in game five. It shouldn't have, but it's a learning lesson. If they I mean, come out flat in game six, major that's a major problem. I mean, we could argue right now that the Suns have only had one good game in this entire series. Game one. Yeah. Yep. Outside of that, campaign saved the day in game two, and so did DA. And every game since then has been trash, honestly. Bad, like, bad shooting. Yeah, not, not very good, not as crisp as you'd like to see, and what you've come to expect from this team. And so – I, I would be concerned right now if I was Monty and the Suns. Like, hey, I, the sky's not falling, but no. we haven't played Suns basketball for about three games now. We better figure it out quick. Otherwise, it's going to get really, really dangerous. Yeah, and every possession, too, for DA and the Suns offense, is it's a mismatch, right? He is basically Shaq right now against the Clippers. He should be, at least. And when I'm seeing DA on the baseline – when Chris Paul has the ball, our book is coming down with the ball, and it looks like he's kind of hiding. Is that book or CP3 just trying to tell him, like, hey, we're running something different? What is that? Because it looked like tonight he was kind of running away from the offense, even though he had the mismatches 
a lot of the time. I mean, it's always a mismatch. But even like when he's trying to get position, his positioning was really, really bad, I thought, in the first half. So I just don't know if that's something that the Suns are running. It's an offense they're trying to run, or it's just D.A. just not wanting to be the focal point tonight. I, th- I think this is D.A. the way he's always been. He's never, ever really stepped up for little guys. He doesn't like to step on the little guys. We've talked about this before. He's like the big kid on the playground who doesn't fight the little kids. He he, he had a letdown uh, once the – uh, once Ivica Zubac was was uh, out, you know, because of the knee, and Da came in. He just doesn't. He's got to learn to fight against those little guys. He 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 just checks out mentally. I thought he was checked out mentally in the first in the first half. Now defensively, um, he was put on an island out there on the edge because they were going five out. And when he was trying to dive in for rebounds, they had two or three guys, you know, fighting him for rebounds and they're tipping it away from him and stuff. So he had a tough time that way. Still had 11 rebounds, but he wasn't an impact player at that point. Offensively, though, uh, the Suns didn't try hard enough to get in the ball and he didn't try hard enough to get the ball. They didn't do anything on the move. They didn't do any high screen rolls where he was diving full speed into the basket like like we've seen in past games. They just the Clippers were switching everything. And they were going small. And when you're switching everything, suddenly your pick and rolls don't work and your actions don't work. And it doesn't matter if you off-screen guys um, cross each other, split each other to try to get the defense off. Those guys are standing there. They played a lot of zone too, the Clippers, Um, not only um, switching everything, but also just standing in zone. I mean, all that can be disruptive to a Suns offense that relies on motion in this direction. So the Suns are going to have to figure out how to play offense against that. And it's going to be a little different than their usual offense, but it can look a lot closer to what they're used to doing. They're just not, they're not getting into their sets. Well, the important thing here is, is that DA is being used uh, against the Clippers, right? The Clippers are using DA. They're pulling him out and then they're, they're going away from him and then attacking as opposed to the Utah series where they would isolate Gobert and then go out with Gobert. Um, there's a there's a big difference here. So it's it's keeping DA out of the paint. It's keeping DA away from from all the traffic and being the defensive force that he has been for the most part. And and that's that's clever. That's Ty Lue. So if you're Monty Williams, you got you got to adjust. You got to figure out a way to change that up to whatever degree and get DA more involved. If that means you got to change up your rotations to a degree, just so that way you're not leaving DA all the way out there on the other side of the ball or or away from the action. Then you got to do it, but you got to find a way. And on the offensive side, I absolutely agree, Dave. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here saying that DA needs to get the ball. He needs to get the ball. He needs to get the ball. But there is also a portion of this where DA has got to step up and say, like, call for the ball, or you got to be a little bit more emphatic about being involved on the offensive side of the ball because it's it's too easy to ignore you if you if you're not really a if you're not really clamoring for it for sometimes. And sometimes the squeaky wheel gets to all the grease, right? Yeah, you got you got to be more aggressive, you know, and I think that's uh, what what we need to see from Mon or from Monty and the way that he manages Da and the offense and Chris Paul as well. You know, I mean, he's the leader. He's the guy who uh, is impressed with the way that DeAndre Ayton has grown this year. But you got to allow the opportunity to cook. You got to give him the ball. You got to, you know, and, and you're and you're right, Saul. Da's got to be more aggressive asking for the ball. I felt like the team fed off the energy of the uh, the crowd tonight, but didn't put in the effort to execute what was needed. And when they, again, when they had those runs, man, Tyloo, Greg Popovich, I won't get off of that point. I really was frustrated with the way that he was calling his timeouts, Matthew. 
Yeah, no, and even in the first half, the first quarter, I mean, the Suns were down by like 80, it was 82 to 6, and he finally called a timeout. You just don't think in the first quarter, like Marcus Morris and like uh, DeMarcus Cousin, when they start to get going, you don't think it's going to last. And I think that's really what happened with the timeouts, because that timeout that was called in the first quarter should have came a lot sooner to shore things up a little bit. There was a little bit too much trust, I think, from Monty. To me, 17 of 41, 14 of 44, 10 of 40. Yeah. At some point, Devin Booker and CP3 have to look at things and go, if we're not hitting shots, how do we set up other guys to perform better? How do we not go miss that many shots and put us in a hole? Because you're not, that's, that's the crux of, of this right now is if they're not hitting those mid-range shots early, figure out a way to get other guys involved, adjust the offense, figure, figure it out because that's just not a game plan. That's going to be successful. I mean, the, the only reason that they, that they won game four uh, with them shooting like that is because the Clippers were ice cold too. Like it was, that was, that was one of the ugliest basketball games we've witnessed and the Suns gutted it out. They could have easily been 0-3 in, in those three games as well with these guys shooting like this. So how do you adjust? If you guys are the leaders, what, what is your move to figure out a way to either get yourself out of that shooting slump or get your other teammates involved to help you out and help pick you up? See, guys, the Clippers are doing this on purpose, though. They, they're forcing – they're getting D.A. – excuse me, they're getting um, Devin Booker and Chris Paul into shooting situations. They're taking away their passing lanes. They're taking away their secondary options. So the ball isn't being swung side to side to side uh, for good, easy shots. So they're being baited into taking these shots by the defense that the Clippers are playing. And uh, there may not be an avoidance. I think what they have to do is just start hitting the dang things. Now they are getting marginally better. So, you know, 10 for 40, 14 for 44, 17 for 41. They're getting closer. By the, time we time hit, be- by, the, by the time we get to game nine, baby. <laughs> hey, Greg Goldman did say sons of nine, right? <laughs> so. Here we go. Um, no, I, I also, and I don't know if you guys have talked about the refs at all because you guys are so disappointed in the Suns effort, but I, I did feel like I'm not a ref hater, but I did feel like there were a few calls that went against the Suns way that didn't need to go against the Suns way, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I, I didn't, I never felt like they were a huge factor in the game. I feel like for every bad call that they give us, give us, they give it to the Clippers. Like, I, I don't know. It's just Paul George, that's a different story. I mm-hmm. think he pushes off and uses elbows on just about every damn play, but outside of that, I'm good with the refs. Yeah, that, yes. that campaign elbow that was basically Paul Georging Paul George was the was the one frustrating thing to yeah. me. I'm like, Paul George just did that three times, uh, you know, on the other end of the court. But campaign, uh, you know, does it, and or excuse me, Cam Johnson does it, and it's you know, oh, that should be a flagrant. How dare he do that? And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, it, I, Paul George yeah. stuck his face in there. What, what do you want? You know? Yeah, That's there's been, been, been a EJ, lot more. EJ talked about that the other day. He was talking about how, like, back in the day, stick your face in there if you want to, but I, I promise you, your nose will be broken. And they, that just doesn't apply nowadays. So dudes are just throwing their faces up there however they want. That's what Paul George does. If you ever notice, when he comes up on defense, he always leads with his chest first 
so mm-hmm. he can try and draw contact and, and get the foul every single time. It's just so shitty. We yeah, can say I, that you know we can we can say that Booker and Paul need to shoot better, but you know what? It would really be nice if we could actually see Jay Crowder make a few shots and Mikel Bridges make a few more shots. Yes, I mean, sir. my God, and campaign make a few shots. Dario Sharge not throwing air balls up there. We're All that stuff playing. would be nice to see, and maybe those guys would help. And you wouldn't have to have Chris Paul and Devin Booker making all the shots. I just they've got to force the Clippers to take them seriously. The only guy who played well last two games off the bench was Cam Johnson, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, just, I, I I used to say, can't, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't fucking talk. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You got a little buddy. giggle in there. My bad. I'm, I'm uh, being I'm being Crow- Matthewed. Crowder, yeah. Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, and Campaign. I used to say, if you can get 40 out of them, you're in really, really, really good shape. And you should probably win the by- game by double digits, and not—I don't even know if they've done forty since game two, maybe. Can I- Jam star of the game from the I control. So I was trying to—I was trying to cut you off again, John. <laughs> I feel like did you yeah, cut I'm yourself off? Cut him off too, John. Yeah, yeah then I got cut off. off. Yeah, I, I have nothing to no, say anymore. Me. Like my point is, it was right. like four points ago, so. Um, now my dog's barking like an asshole. He's out like here. back to eight and watch guys. Yeah. So like I was saying with John Drayton in minute twelve of the show. Um, yeah. Who do you guys give the jam star of the game to? I'm gonna wrap this thing up soon because yeah, I'm gonna give it to John for dealing with all of us interrupting him. Yeah. Oh, that's well, then I give it to Matthew for us always interrupting him for every podcast. That's <laughs> it's, it's purgatory. I love it. I give just so. I'll give it to Soul Glow because my hair's looking kind of juicy right now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta seriously though it's gotta be cam johnson i mean yeah he he's played unbelievably in this series he did it again tonight and uh deserves more minutes deserves some of those dario minutes deserves some of those jay crowder minutes at this point deserves all those abdel nader minutes uh, you know, along with tory craig so uh, cam johnson gets my I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tory Craig gives my jam star of the game. He got what, <laughs> 42 seconds of playing time, and he got he drew a foul. He made some shots. I mean, I don't. I have no idea why Abdul Nader is playing in these games. Uh, I don't know what money sees in that. He hasn't played in three months, and you're in the most high leverage games of the entire season, and you put Abdul Nader out there hoping he'll what? What? What can he do that uh-huh. Tory Craig can't do? You mess up your rotation. You mess up your energy. Uh, he needs to just not have Abdominator play in game in game six, and hopefully there isn't a game seven. I give it to hey, what, what did he even I'll, do? I'll give, it to, I'll give it to the I give it to the buried bodies because that's the only reason why Abdominator <laughs> is playing. He must know where they are. So, but what's he? What did he do this season really to earn those minutes? I don't understand. He, he had maybe I think one really good game, but he, had one he just doesn't do game. too much. Exactly. Um, I, my I, my jam star is Cameron Johnson. Just throw it out there. And you guys, your guys' pod for having like the best hair because we're like the no hair pod, and you guys have. Very fantastic. <laughs> yeah, hair. yeah. We always wear hats. Seriously. Yeah, you guys just let it flow. I love it. Well, and it was funny because you know, for Brightside today, I wrote a piece. Well, you know, welcoming back Abdel Nader, and I was going through and looking at his season. I was just like, yeah, what's he playing in the Western Conference Finals for? Like, he was a he was good as a bridge to get to Tory Craig because he's like what we wanted him to be, and we got that in Tory Craig. So why is he back playing? Is it because Monty has an affection for? The number 11 and he misses ricky rubio so he's like hey this is my homage to ricky. he couldn't be here i just i don't know and i think that we, we're done with him it, it's got to be tory craig and when they th- when they throw those small ball lineups at us 
you can have Tory Craig run the five. Don't even put Dario out there. You know, I think that he's athletic enough to body up some of those guys and at least try to, you know, athletically beat them because Dario can't beat them with athleticism. We know that. Or anything. So, or anything or anything at all, you know, facial hair even. He like he just doesn't win. So, you know, it's it's gonna be interesting maybe as we th- maybe he thinks Nader just look will look those guys in the eyes and then make them start dreaming. I don't know. No, he's just he's such a beautiful man. Maybe he thinks he, is, he can well, look, Monty's, st- Monty's still wearing the mask. He's got the glasses on. I'm guessing he gets that fogged up look, and he thinks it's Booker, and he's te- he tells him to go in the game. <laughs> That's the only explanation that I can come up with as to why Abdel Nader keeps getting it. Well, and it'll be interesting to see as we head into game six, which is on Wednesday at 6 p.m., what adjustments are made. Because you know Ty Lue's not going to run the same shit. He's just not going to. He's not going to come out and say, hey, this worked in game uh, five, so I'm going to do it in game six. Now, there's going to be shades of it throughout the game, just like there were shades of going to DeMarcus Cousins on Dario, which we saw in game one. I mean, the thing is, is Ty Lue has analyzed how to get points outside of Paul George and then uses those strategically throughout different segments of the game, whereas the Suns, I feel, partially because they can't hit any of their shots, they don't have any of those strategic go-to plays like we've seen them run in the playoffs because the Clippers take a lot of them away. This is a good team, Suns fans. We said it coming into this. I know when Matthew and I were talking about who we wanted to play in the Western Conference Finals, I wanted the Jazz because you know, their strength is down low, and I feel like we had the advantage there. I didn't want somebody who could take away our passing and our guard play. Guess what? That's what the Clippers do. They're a very, very good team, and we are going to have to earn this trip to the NBA Finals if we want to get there. You want the T-shirt and the hat? You got to earn it. And that's what this team's done all year. They have earned it. They forgot that tonight. They forgot it takes work. They forgot, you know, they, I think they got to steal Monty's phrase again. They got happy on the farm. They didn't, they did not look at it and, and go, okay, we need to go out here and take this. People were believing in them. I think they were a little overhyped for this game uh, in terms of, in terms of, Hey, we, we got this. It's, it's good. Uh, it's not good anymore. Uh, you know, you're in big trouble if uh, if LA uh, if you go to LA and play like that. Coach, uh, you're coming. You're coming home for the slaughter, maybe. Coach JJM, I really think we are losing because so many people picking us to win. We play better as underdogs. Um, yeah, no, that's not the reason. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you and I love you, buddy. Uh, you've been a good supporter of both of these podcasts, but that is not the reason. I agree yeah. with him. I think it's <laughs> we need two. We have too many too people on the bandwagon. We need to push them away. Push a couple off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Matthew, what do you think? What adjustments well, need to happen I, I heading into think, Game oh, Six? You can let Dave. You can let Dave go. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, Earn no, his time. I was just gonna throw in there. I was, yeah, really. I, I haven't been here the whole time, you know. So I got to make up for it. Um, I, I really think though the Suns do did let it get to their heads a little bit. Co JJ, I'm a, there's some other things you say in the chat that I don't always agree with. I'll just leave it there. Um, but in this comment, I do think that yeah, the Suns might have let it get to their heads on thinking they had the series won. And I, I talked about this a little bit earlier as well. I agree. Um, they they thought they were already going to get their flowers handed to them tonight, and they, they the Clippers said no, thank you. So the Suns are going to have to take it, as as you as you just said, John. The Suns are going to have to take this win, this this trip to the finals. No one is giving it to them, and and just because you think they should, doesn't mean they will. So yeah, I do think they took their foot off the gas. 
Chris Paul, I just have one message for you. You've never been to the NBA Finals. That sh- this should be the the all the motivation you need, son. This might be the last time you get this close. Yeah, like get it done. Yeah, but is he in his head? Because the post game interview when Rachel Nichols asks him about three one the other night, he says, "I don't want to talk about it. I don't have good history with that number." Mm. I'm sorry. You should be saying this isn't like the past. Uh, you know, we're going to take care of business. Whatever, different time, different place. Oh, see, I, I hope he's not. Says, he doesn't want to talk about it because she was saying it so positively as if they had it won. He's like, no, I've been here before. You can't think you're going to win. I get I it. I thought he was on the right space. I, I didn't. I Yeah, I agree. with. I, I'm on Dave's side on this one. I, I, didn't I don't know. I just, I just wonder, is Chris Paul starting to be like Suns fans where you saw it on Twitter? The we. The, this game started going in the in the wrong direction, and every you know almost every Suns fan that's been here for more than fifteen minutes starts to go, uh oh, uh-huh. is is this when it all goes sideways? <laughs> is this you know I even jokingly what? said the basketball gods have entered the chat, right? Like people people just start going, oh shit, here it is now. This is it. We this is what we've been expecting, and I just hope. You know, Chris Paul's been through so much. He's had so many bad experiences in the playoffs. I hope he doesn't start thinking in that way too. And and I, I I'd like to believe he doesn't, but it, you never know because he has had such bad luck. I, I'll take the blame for this one, guys. I mean, we all know what happened before the game and what yep. I put in the I, I didn't want to say yeah. anything, so yeah. I'm definitely putting uh, this one on you. That's that's, that's 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 my bad juju. Uh, but I, the good thing is, is I won't have to do anything for next one. So uh, we're good. We're, that's all I have to say. Can that be deleted from the chat? I think we need to delete it, erase it, make a brand will, new one, if and ever it's needed. It will. It'll always stay on my phone. It'll always come. It'll, it's haunted now. It'll can, we de- can we delete Saul from the chat for the remainder <laughs> of this Remove me. Take me out of chat. my misery. Saul has left the chat. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Matthew, you got any final thoughts before I cut this show uh, short? Man, that moment when Chris Paul hit that, I said it earlier, with the go-ahead basket in the third quarter, it was just a moment where I'm like, oh, my God, they might win it. It was kind of emotional. I'm not going to lie. And then it just went away completely. But next game, you know, treat this. Don't treat the basketball so fragile, you know. Just don't act like it's like the the last card of a house of cards or something. Trying to put it on top of the deck, whatever you do when you build a house of cards. I've never done that, but I assume you're trying to do it really delicately. Just go out there and own it. Because they, they, they seem like they were kind of scared of the ball a little this, bit tonight. This ain't and Jenga. It's basketball. Just <laughs> ain't, yeah. Just be careful. Just I, be, feel like, don't be careful. I feel like tonight was the moment that Lissy officially became a Suns fan. <laughs> you guys weren't emotional when you made that shot? I was like, no. oh, my God. Like, no. I think they're no. going to take over. There's too, many games. There's too much time left. Uh, too much time. Right. And, again, it, it, they like came I right said, back down and scored again. Well, it, it's like I said. It took so much to get back there. You knew the run was coming, and it was like an 11-0 run for the Clippers because it was like 62 to 61, and it was like 74-62, like in a blink of an eye. I thought and that I, was it. I hoped. I, I I pet Lainey then. I was like, Lainey, we got you know good things are about to happen to my dog, yeah. and uh, she looked at me. She's like, leave me alone. I'm, you know, yeah. my little Chawini sitting chick <laughs> kicking it with me on the couch watching the Suns game, but it was just uh, you know, it, it's. You know, 
can't get happy on the farm, right? You know, Espo says it because Monty says it, and we say it all the time now because it's really how you have to approach day-to-day, game-to-game. When people at work are asking me about the Suns, I just I kind of say that. You know, they're like, oh, my God, good luck tonight. I'm like, I'm not fucking doing anything. Good luck watching the game. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm not playing. I'm, I'm, I'm an observer hoping that the team that I uh, love – can pull one out, just get one more win, get us to the finals. And then we can, you know, continue having uh, fun little get togethers and powwows like we're having right now. Uh, but on the other side of that, you know that this Clippers team is good. So you have to adjust. This is playoff basketball. The advantage that we have is we have two games to win one. That's what we have to look at moving into Wednesday night, two games to win one. And it'd be nice to win one. Cause note this, the Suns are five and two on the road in the playoffs. And they've closed out the opposition both times on the road. They haven't done it here at home yet. Let's save that one for the NBA Finals when the confetti's falling down and we're raising the Larry O'Brien trophy, okay? But we, we got to get there. And I will say, when the series began, Matthew, what did I say the series would happen? Mm, I don't remember. Suns and six. Suns and six, yeah. Suns and six was my original guess. I was hoping I would be wrong. But you know what? Suns and six. Let's go get it on Wednesday night, Jens. Yeah, don't don't let the ghost of the past get in your head. It's one game. They got you Marcus Morris. More, you got two more shots at it. Yeah. Two more shots at it. Basically what Espo says to himself when he when he gets on his knees at night to pray. Don't let it get in your head. Don't let it get in your head. Don't let it get in your head. I, I, I didn't don't know you were gonna say pray. So. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to keep a PG. Unlike John's mom you know, has entered the chat. Unlike you know who up here. <laughs> well on, on that note ladies and gentlemen uh if you decided to watch us live on youtube we thank you make sure you go ahead hit the thumbs up button hit the subscribe button and hit the little bell button to remind you that we are live that little notification thing like like, like saul's phone over there going off uh like jingle bells maybe it's espo then yeah. Espo? Was it was my fault? Then it's gotta be the Android guy. You know, I <laughs> I didn't think I I recognized that that text tone. Um but yeah, make sure that you know that you stupid ass green chat. <laughs> you get the green so chat. Mad. No. So mad. It's like it's like Abdel Nader getting in the rotation. What the hell is it doing yeah, there? For like no reason whatsoever. Why I'm is just existing? Green? I don't know. <laughs> you know. And on that note too, as well, sons, for, uh, all you jamsters out there, if you want to donate in the super chat, you can donate and help get Matthew an iPhone. We should really start like a GoFundMe to get Matthew an iPhone. Then you have to teach him how to use it. It's super simple. It's Apple. That. You look at it and it opens. Like it's magic. <laughs> we can um, uh, we can dip right. into that swears for kids fun that's uh increased exponentially <laughs> since we've been doing these post game shows. Uh, since yeah. all, since, really since Saul joined Solar Panel. Well, that's true. Yeah. We didn't have swears for that. kids until Saul joined the Solar. Well, panel. it was the moment you guys like were off of Fox Sports and Valley Arizona. All of a sudden, Saul's like, "Here comes the f bombs." Because the swears for kids started because you guys were had a commercial with your faces on it, and you had to, it was a family program. But once it be, wasn't a family program anymore. Oh man, there were some tornadoes of f bombs coming through. Uh, Dave had always never been family. Dave, Dave would always say the word shit. There was two words you could always get out of Dave. You'd be watching something. He's like, I don't want to watch that shit. Or he would just drop one of those random beautiful little. Fuck. Which is ripped right from your podcast. I knew you were, so, set, I knew you were setting that up. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm like trying to find it. I'm I'm stalling. Uh, but again, a reminder: go ahead and follow the show at Suns Jam and at Sun Solar Panel on Twitter. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew at Matthew Lissy. You can follow Espo at Espo, and you can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. 
Just don't follow us home, ladies and gentlemen, because it's depressing. It's me watching Suns game with my little Chewini on the couch. So leave me alone. <laughs> that's, what? And that's not a euphemism. So. <laughs> that's a, that's... <laughs> did, did you see Dave's tweet during the game where he's just like, uh, the Suns haven't had the juice from the tip? I'm like, juice from the tip? Jesus, man, that's gross. Manscaping. <clears throat> on that note, I'm going to go ahead and drop the music unless anyone else has anything to say. No, go home and love your Chewini. Go home and build a fort with your family. There you go. Go home. Go home and build a card house gingerly. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Uh, have a great night. And again, we are going to see you live after the game on Wednesday.